discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. God bless you. We started yesterday talking about the armor of God, the whole armor of God. It's very essential because understanding the armor will help us know how to understand the battle we are in in this life. It is against the wiles of the devil. How the devil is operating and how we have to be strong in the divine armament and the armor. We need and how to use them to prevail in every issue of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Paul put this word, he concluded in Ephesians 6 and it's very vital. I want to continue tonight in Jesus' name. So turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Alright, I'm starting from verse 14, but let me read from verse 10. Alright, finally my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. Stand therefore, having your loins, get about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So verse 14 said, one more time, verse 14 said, stand therefore, having your loins, get about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness. So yesterday we said that with the whole armor, there are seven pieces seven pieces and um, Paul in speaking of the armor actually used the Roman military and used how the Roman military dressed the military dressed the pieces they used to describe to us by revelation the spiritual weapons God has given us and how we have to wear them and use them hallelujah, hallelujah. at the time of this writing Paul was a prisoner in Rome And there was a soldier who was guarding him. And obviously, Paul saw how the soldier was armed. And I know that the Holy Ghost gave him revelation from his armor and gave him spiritual interpretation in the light of our spiritual equipment and weapons. And he began to write them to us by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the first thing he spoke of was a loin belt of truth. Say the loin belt of truth. The loin belt of truth. 
Stand therefore, having your loins. Someone was once reading this verse, this verse and said, having your lions. <laughs> Get about the truth. <laughs> it's not lions, it's loins. <laughs> Stand therefore, having your loins. Get about with truth. So the first of the armor that is mentioned is the loin belt of truth. One more time, say the loin belt of truth. truth. Yeah, it was called the loin belt of truth. The loin belt of truth. Now, when you study the Roman army and the armor they used, it's so amazing that the loin belt they used of all the armor, the loin belt was the most boring, the less attractive, and the less noticeable of all the armor, for the pieces of the armor. The loin belt. In fact, when you see the armor, the first one that will ever attract you when you see the Roman military, the first of the armor to attract you is the breastplate. Because of its, its glistens and the light it radiates. The first thing is the breastplate. The second thing that is noticeable is actually the second thing is the helmet. Because it's also lamented, sorry, ornamented, yeah, ornamented. So you can easily take notice of what is on top and what he's wearing. But the belt is so unnoticeable. It's, it's so unattractive. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yet it's very important. Please, are you here? Yeah. Now, if I were to describe someone's dressing, how nice a person looks. The last thing you ever mention is his belt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you talk about his tie, you talk about his shirt, you talk about his trial, his shoe. I mean, it's like meeting Papa Dedem. I mean, you can describe, oh my, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> you see, so when you're describing someone, it, it's, it is likely they even skip his belt. Yeah. But if you want to know how important the belt is, just remove it. <laughs> and when you remove it, then you see how important what the importance the, the belt has in your dressing. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, until you remove the belt, but when you remove the belt, then you realize that the belt, though it is unnoticeable and less attractive, it is very important. Yeah. Are you here with me? Yes. Follow me carefully. In like manner, in like manner, the loin belt is very important. In fact, of all the seven pieces of armor, the first most important piece of armor of all among all the rest, is the loin belt. It will surprise you. It is the most important 
That is why Paul mentioned it first. He mentioned it first because it's the most important. Are you following me? It's more important than all the rest. Why? How can something that is less attractive, less noticeable, be the most important item? Please, are you here? Are you here? Praise God. The reason is this. When the soldier, the Roman soldier put on the loin belt, let me show you the reason is the most important of all the pieces. When he put on the loin belt, without a loin belt, the breastplate, and when he's moving and running, the, he can easily lose the lose breastplate. It will, it will flap away through the wind. So it, was, it is a loin belt that keeps the breastplate intact. That's one. Secondly, the soldier fights with a sword. He fights with a sword. But you know, do you know where he keeps the sword? He keeps the sword on the loin belt. There is something called a scabbard or the sheath by which he puts the sword, the sword in. And the scabbard or the sheath is connected to a certain clip that is also connected to the, the, the loin belt. So the sword hangs on the belt. The belt keeps the breastplate intact. Now yesterday I mentioned what is called the lance. We'll talk about the lance because the lance speaks of prayer, the lance of prayer. It's spear-like, it's, it's wooden that they throw against their op- opponents. It's in different sizes. He also hangs the lance on the belt of truth, on the belt. Then, when he's at rest and when, he, when he's not fighting, he, his whole shield is also connected to the belt. <laughs> so all of these pieces are connected to the belt. That makes the belt very important. The loin belt of truth. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, what then is the, is the belt? What is the belt of truth? Understand, the belt of truth is the written word. It's the Bible. It's the written word. That's the belt of truth. It's the written word. Now, of course, the Bible speaks of the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Yeah, but that one is the rhema of God. Yeah. The sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God, will come to the rhema. The rhema is a spoken word, the quickened word. But, that's in verse 17. But the loin belt of truth is the logos, the written word, the Bible. Are you following me? Yes, it's the Bible. The loin belt of truth is the Bible. It's the Bible. The logos. The truth, the written word, the Bible. That is why, without the word of God, the breastplate of righteousness cannot be kept intact. The breastplate of righteousness is our righteousness, Christ our righteousness. You see, without, you, you may say Christ is your righteousness, but without you daily taking the Bible, you will lose your righteousness consciousness and begin to walk in condemnation and guilt. But when they get into the scriptures, the scriptures, you find what is called the word of righteousness, which is found in the Bible. So the Bible gives you the righteousness consciousness. So it's the written word, the loin belt that keeps the breastplate intact. 
That's why the belt is the most important piece. The armor is connected to the loin belt. I'm sorry. The breastplate is connected. The, 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 yes, the shield is connected, is connected to the loin belt. It's amazing. Study the Roman army. They connect it to, to the whole shield, to the loin belt. It's amazing. And the shield, the Bible calls it the shield of faith. And the shield of faith is connected to the logos. Why? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The sword by which he uses to fight, the sword of the spirit, the sword hangs in the scabbard, which is connected to the, to the clip on the, on the loin belt. The rhema, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, in the Greek, which is the rhema of God. We'll talk about that later. The rhema is a spoken word, the quickened word of God. You see, but the spoken word, which is the rhema, is based on the logos. Because without the logos, there is no rhema. That is why the sword, which is the rhema, hangs on the logos, the Bible. Because it is when the scripture, the Bible is activated and quickened, that is when we have the rhema. Hallelujah. And the lance, which speaks of prayer. Jesus said, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask whatsoever ye will, and it shall be done. He was addressing prayer. So the more his word abide in you, the more you are answered. <laughs> because prayer is founded on the word. John 15 verse 7. So you see that the loin belt is the most important piece of armor. It's connected to everything. It's connected to everything. The word of faith. The word of righteousness. The spoken word of God, the rhema, is the word. Everything. Great peace have they which love their law, and nothing shall offend them. Psalm 119 verse 165. So, it's amazing. Very important. So, the belt is unnoticeable and not attractive yet. Its function and purpose is it is, is, can never, never be overestimated. Very important. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, what it means is this. It means that when you put away your Bible, you are putting aside your belt. <laughs> when you put aside your Bible, you have laid aside your belt. And you're running in town. <laughs> you know the consequences? <laughs> it means that very soon all the pieces of armor will fall apart. And your spiritual life will just fall on the rocks. So the written word is of premium significance. You can never leave it. May you never leave the Bible. Even in Jesus' name. You see, a lot of people have their foundation on different things. Even ministries. You go to some ministries and they have emphasis is on praise and worship. But praise and worship is good. You go to another ministry, the emphasis is on prayer. And prayer is good. You go to another ministry, the emphasis is on the prophetic. The prophetic is good. In fact, there are some ministries, their emphasis is even social activities. Imparting the community, social gospel. All of these are wonderful things, but they are not the belt of truth. 
The belt is what keeps everything intact. So our foundation, the foundation by which the church is built is the written word of God. The pure word of God, that is it. Nothing can exchange it. It's the most powerful weapon. That is the only visible, we- visible weapon among all the weapons. You read it and keep it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Beloved, the loin belt of truth is a written word of God. It's the Logos. You know what Peter said? We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when they came such a voice from the excellent glory, saying, This is my son, whom I am well, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. This voice we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Oh, but we have also a more sure word of prophecy like unto a light that shineth in the dark place until the day dawn and the day star you know what he's saying Peter is saying oh when Jesus was transfigured at the mount of transfiguration he called that mount the holy mount which is Mount Hermon when he was transfigured before Elijah and Moses he said we were there and we saw the excellent glory we saw the Shekinah and we heard the voice the voice we saw the honor conferred upon him by God the Father we saw it we are eyewitnesses of his majesty but despite the vision and the voice we have also a more sure word of prophecy he said the bible is more sure than the experience the bible is more sure than the voice the bible is more sure than anything you can hear the bible wow hallelujah hallelujah that's why Peter said in Colossians 3 verse 16 sorry Paul that Colossians 3 16 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs hola basha, making singing with grace in your heart unto the Lord let the word of Christ dwell in you richly amazing, the word richly is the word plusios some of you should plusios Plusius means extreme and massive wealth. Aha. Uh-huh. As I taught in the Medina church, the word plusius is where we get the word plutocrat. You know a plutocrat from the word plusius when it is anglicized. A plutocrat is one who is so wealthy that no one is able to estimate the, or to give the full estimate of his own wealth, of his wealth. You cannot say he's, ten, he's worth 10 billion dollars. Whilst we're saying it's worth 10 billion, he has proceeded to 15 billion. No one can give the right estimation of his total wealth. And that's the word Paul used richly. That means that you should be so much endowed with the scriptures that nobody can quantify the amount of scriptures in your heart. They think you are here, but you are here. Whilst they are thinking you are here, oh, you are there. <laughs> You should have a kind of depth that no one knows except the Lord. If a tree is always showing forth its roots to the public, it will die soon. There's a kind of depth that should be between you and Him. And on that day, you'll be revealed. And the, hallelujah. <laughs>
But in our generation, if you read the Bible for one hour, you have to post it on Facebook. I just read the Bible this morning, one hour. I've broken a record. The target you think you have reached, that's where someone has fallen. It's fallen to. <laughs> Let it do it in you richly, daily. Amazing. If you put the Bible down for three days, you have no idea what you are losing. You may think you are alright. You are physically eating and drinking. Nothing has happened. But you have no idea what is happening. <laughs> Something is falling apart. Unconsciously. Hey. You see, I said three days. I don't want to. Three weeks is unimaginable. It's like you have not eaten physically for three weeks. Just think about the consequences. Not eating physically for three weeks. Now when you don't eat for one day, how do you feel? Calculate that in spiritual terms. Because you are a spirit being, you are not a body. And your spirit needs to be fed. So you eat three hot meals, meals a day. And nourish your spirit with one cold spiritual snack a week. <laughs> Hallelujah. And from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make thee wise unto salvation through the faith that is in Christ Jesus. For all Scripture is God-breathed or given by the inspiration of God. And it is profitable unto correct doctrine, unto reproof, unto correction, and instruction in righteousness, that a man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. And 2 Timothy 3, 1560. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God or is God breathed and is profitable for doctrine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in the next verse, it says that, that the man of God may be perfect. That the man of God may be perfect. That's what the Bible does. That the man of God may be perfect. 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 It makes you perfect. Now, the word perfect here is a very unique Greek word. There are different Greek words for perfect. And the word is atios. And the word atios means accomplishing of days. Yeah. There are different Greek words for perfect. This one means accomplishing your days. It means that if you give yourself to the word, the word will cause you to accomplish your days. You see, there are people who live their lives but they don't accomplish their days. They don't live their lives to the full. There are those who live and they die. They don't live to their full years. That's one. There are those who live to their full years, but their days are not accomplished. The only way to accomplish your full purpose on earth is to give yourself to the word. Jesus told Kenneth Hagin of blessed memory that there are ministers he calls into ministry. They never enter the first phase of their ministry whilst in ministry until they die. Yet they are doing ministry their entire life on earth. Yet they never enter the first phase of their ministry whilst doing ministry. Your days are not accomplished. For our days to be accomplished, that the man of God may be perfect, 
your days must be accomplished. Your days on earth must be fully accomplished. The purpose of God for your life, for it to be realized, to give yourself to the word. Your callings, give yourself to the word. Whether in the business, whatever you are doing, for it to be profitable to the kingdom, give yourself to the word. Hallelujah. That the man of God may be perfect. Truly finished. Truly, truly, truly finished. The word truly finished is one Greek word, exatido. Exatido. Literally, exatido means exactly right. Exatido, exactly right. That the man of God may be exactly right. God wants you to be exactly right in whatever you do. But you see, exactly do is the word for GA. Is it GA or GA? Both of them. In the days of Paul, it was a gear for the wagon. Or sometimes the gear for the ship. In our days, the gear for the car. That's the word truly finished. It's amazing. Can you see yourself driving a car without a gear? You know what will happen? You'll be a corpse. But if you have a gear, you know when to stop, when to slow down, when to turn right, when to turn left, when to, you know, you can navigate your way. The gear, that's a word for truly finished. It means that, you see, when you have the scriptures, the scripture directs your life. The scripture is like a gear for your life. You know when to stop, when to go ahead, when to slow down. You just know what to do. You are exactly right at the right time, at the right place. If you give yourself to this, you'll be perfected. And the word will direct you in every way. It will be the gear for your life. What to say, what not to say. Where to go, where not to go. Where to invest, where not to invest. The friends to make, the friends not to make. Oh, Malo Shatalamanda is in the word. It's able to make you wise. Salvation. Hallelujah. May you be a man of the word. May you be a woman of the word. Even to the glory of God. Oh, Lamanda. In Psalm 119, verse 24. Thy testimonies are also my delight and my counselors. Thy testimonies are my delight and my counselors. May God, the word of God be your counselors. I know you have human counselors, but the word said they are my counselors. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That's the, that's the scriptures. That's the word of their testimony. My son, eat thou honey, for it is good, and honeycomb, which is sweet to thy taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be to thy soul. And when thou hast found them, Horaman, then there shall be a reward, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 13 to 14. The scripture is a loin, loin belt of truth that keeps everything in your life intact. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I was saying that the loin belt is thick and heavy. And the, way, the reason it is called a loin belt is because it covers the loins of the soldier. Why does the soldier need heavy belts to cover his entire loins? Because he wants to protect, he wants to preserve his ability to reproduce. 
He wants to protect his reproductive abilities. So that they don't get damaged in war fronts. So that part is very important. <laughs> so you see how important a loin belt is. If it is not heavily covered, you become sterile or barren. <laughs> he preserves his ability to reproduce, protect his reproductive capacities. What it means is that without the word of God in your life, you will become sterile and barren. Your ability to reproduce is directly connected to your, the scriptures, to the word of God. So when you don't give yourself to the scriptures, you are becoming barren. Because it's the scripture that can make you fruitful, that can make you productive and reproduce after your kind. Spiritual impact and spiritual fruitfulness and even physical fruitfulness. To become fruitful in every aspect of your life, it is from the scriptures. I know people are barren in, in some area of, of their lives or they are sterile. But there is no way you can give yourself to the scriptures and become barren or sterile. Hallelujah. Because that's a way of protecting your reproductive capacities and abilities. That's a scripture. Mola, Shatar. That scripture can give you the ability to be fruitful and multiply. Fruitful, all round victory. Fruitful spiritually, fruitful physically, fruitful financially, fruitful business wise. You become fruitful. You produce in every way, in all ramifications. Neither shall there be any barren in your land, and none shall cast their young. May your spiritual seed never be aborted. Yeah. So the word of God will cover your reproductive abilities. The word of God itself is seed. The Greek word is the word spermata. In Luke 8 verse 11, Jesus said the seed is the word of God. The spermata is the word of God. Jesus said it. Being born again, not of the corruptible seed, not of the corruptible spermata, but the incorruptible spermata, even the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You see, in, with hidden within a man's sperm is a man's temperament, even the color of his skin, the color of his hair, the color of his eyeball, all what he is, is hidden within the sperm. That's when we are born again of the divine spermata, the divine character, the divine nature and life and ability. The seed is in us. And because his seed is in us, his life, his, his life, his nature will become partakers of the divine nature. That seed is in us. And he said the seed is the word of God. The incorruptible word of God. Hallelujah. If a man gives himself to the word of God, he becomes productive. He is enriched. He becomes productive. He's full of the divine life and the divine seed. And he will produce after his kind. We bring forth fruit. 30 fold. 60 fold. 100 fold. We fill the face of the earth with the fruit of righteousness. With the excellencies. With impact in all ways. Your life will never be the same. Your life never be at a standstill. The word of God will bring a harvest of righteousness out of you. Productivity and fruitfulness will flow out of you. I promise over your life, even in Jesus' name, I see a turn around and I see increase to the glory of God. Pray in the spirit. It is yours for the taking. Now shut Lekata. Listen, 
the word of God is a spermata. That means it has creative abilities. You see, the word of God has creative abilities. It has the power to create. Scripture is, the scripture is not just informative or transformative. It is also creative. It can create. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And the things which are were not made of things which don't appear. So God, his word is creative. The word of God can create the future you want. The word of God can create the marriage you want. It can create the kind of home you want. The word of God can create Malushata, the kind of business you want. It can create that kind of ambience, that kind of peaceful home that you want. Everything you want, the future you want, the beauty, the glory, the word of God is creative. It can give you everything you want because the power that created the cosmos is in the word of God. And this word has power within. It is potent within. If you give yourself to the word, you become productive. You will produce after your kind in every way. Hello, shut up. I'm telling you, we are going to take the world. We are taking the world for Jesus. David said, I am as a wonder to many. You are, you are a living wonder to many. Because the word is creative. I and the children, the Lord God, have given. We are for signs and for wonders for the Lord of those that dwell at him outside. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We take the world. Glory. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. That is the loin belt of truth. The loin belt. Please don't put aside the Bible. Otherwise, you are going with that belt. And before you, you cross this place, everything is falling. And your nakedness is revealed. <laughs> your sword is ineffective. Your lance is ineffective. Everything is gone. Because everything hinges on the word. The logos. Hallelujah. 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 Beloved, the word of God is everything. Is everything. What makes you think you can succeed without the scripture? That is false. That success has no eternal value. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The breastplate of righteousness. <laughs> so we have seven to go today and Sunday. So we have to do other three or four. Praise God. So, praise God. <laughs> okay, let's go to the second one, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. It's the same verse. Stand there for having your lungs get about with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness. Beloved, righteousness is a weapon. Righteousness is a weapon. Paul speaks of righteousness as a weapon. He said, by the word, 
and by the word of truth, and by the power of God, and by the armor of righteousness on the left and on the right. First Corinthians 6 verse 7. He spoke of that. As I said, he wondered that there was no man. He wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation and his righteousness to sustain him. And speaking of the prophecy about Jesus, that he shall put on righteousness for a breastplate and the helmet of salvation upon his head and a garment of vengeance for his clothing and he shall, and he shall be clad with zeal like a cloak. So in the Bible, Isaiah 59, the Bible tells us that righteousness is a weapon. And Paul now, in this verse, also emphasizes that righteousness is a weapon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's Isaiah 59 verse 17. It's a weapon. What is the breastplate of righteousness? Now the breastplate is so beautiful. The kind of breastplate the Roman army used was the shiniest, the most beautiful, the brightest piece of armor. When you see him, the first thing that attracts you is the breastplate. And let me describe how the breastplate was. The Roman army, how did the breastplate they used, with which Paul used to describe to us what we are talking about. Now, the breastplate the Roman army used was from the top of the neck. It extended down far to the knee. So it covered almost the body. It's amazing. From the top of the neck, it went down past his hip, straight to his knee. So this breastplate covered his body. (laughs) Because righteousness is Christ, and we are clothed with Christ as our righteousness. Now, this breastplate was of two parts. It was composed of two parts. You see him wearing something once, but it's actually two pieces of metals that have been joined together. Now, they were made of brass. Brass. Two pieces of brass. Now, the fronts, there are two pieces. One for the front of the soldier and the other one for the back of the soldier. So, there's a front part. It's a metallic piece. It's brass. It is put on the front of the shoulder. Then there's a, the second part, which is put on the back of the so- soldier. Then at the, at the top, there is a metallic ring that clips the two together to form one piece. You get it? Then on the surface of the breastplate, is the design on it is like the scale of a fish. It's like the scale of a fish. It's all over on it. The scale of a fish. It's just around it. It just around it. And the bracelet is actually called the coat of mail. That's the name, the coat of mail. The Bible describes the, the bracelet of um, um, Goliath. It is called the, the coat of mail. Actually, even in Exodus 28, verse 32, mysteriously, when the high priestly garment was described, the way the garment was put together, the Bible used the word habajion which is an old word for the coat of mail, which is the breastplate. So the way the high priestly garment was put together, he used, the Bible used the word the habajion, <laughs> mysteriously, telling us that the high priestly garment was for warfare. Wow. 
<laughs> when you study about the priesthood, actually, in Numbers 4.23, the Bible tells us that the, the priest, they shall enter to perform the service of the priesthood. In Numbers 4.23, performing the service, actually in Hebrew means they, they should wage the warfare. So warfare, even this with the priesthood. The work we do in ministry is warfare. <laughs> the things we deal with is warfare. We are dealing with unseen entities. It's warfare. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, it was so beautiful. It was a coat of milk. So beautiful. Now, I said yesterday that the whole of the pieces will weigh about 100 pounds. Yeah. But the breastplate alone weighs 40 pounds. <laughs> it wasn't easy like that. <laughs> it was strong. That's why David, when Saul gave David his, he said, This one is too much. The Bible describes the weight of Goliath's breastplate 125 pounds. Goliath. But Goliath is 9 feet 9 inches. His spearhead is 16 pounds and the spear itself is 17 pounds. <laughs> what a man. <laughs> so the breastplate was quite heavy. It's amazing. But it was beautiful. Now, the breastplate, normally, when the soldiers wear it, they normally want to display it in the afternoons. Of course, they use it in the evenings, but the most of the time they want to come out. They wear it, especially for battle, they want to go in the afternoons. There's a reason for it. I will explain that later. But what it does is that the breastplate, the breastplate casts forth a dazzling spectacle. So beautiful. So that it is said that when the soldiers are coming and the sun rays hit the breastplate, they become like the rainbow. The rainbow. The shiny, because they use a, sh- a bright, shiny brass, golden brass to make it. So there's a reflection of light. Uh-huh. So it, it, it's like the whole, he, he reflects the light, beams of light. And you see the colors of rainbow run about him. Hallelujah. So when you see him from a distance, it's like he's full of lights. The guy is lighted because of the, of the breastplate. When the sun shines on him. Beloved, that's how righteousness is. When you walk in righteousness, consciousness, you are full of dazzling effect. You are so beautiful because righteousness is Christ himself. You walk everywhere and you go like, wow, look at the guy. <sighs> but if the breastplate is hidden in, in, a, in a dark room, there is no effect. But when you wear it, oh, the brilliance, the beauty. Now listen, the breastplate covers... Why is it called breastplate? Essentially, it covers the whole body, but the place it covers most is the heart. That's why it's called the breastplate. It covers the heart. Why does it cover the heart? Because within the heart is the conscience. Why the conscience? Because if you don't cover the heart, the devil's number one goal... Is to hit your heart. Now, your conscience is in your heart. 
Your conscience is the seat. It's what condemns you. You see? The reason why we walk in guilt, in condemnation, we walk, we feel that we are full of faults, self-condemnation and guilt and all that, and we walk in full of accusations and all that, is because our heart is not covered. We accept Satan's accusations, and we feel we are guilty, and we feel we are condemned. And the devil points your mistakes to you, and you accept it. It covers the heart. The Bible said in 1 John 3.20 that if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart and knows all things. Because it's the heart that condemns you. Because the conscience is of the heart. You see. And one version said, if your heart tells you you have not done something right, he said, don't worry, God is greater than your heart. Wow. <laughs> God is greater than your heart. <laughs> because it's, it's your conscience that condemns you. It condemns you. That is why the Bible said, let us therefore draw nigh unto him in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled away from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Hebrews 10 verse 22. You see, evil conscience is walking thinking that God has not forgiven your sins. Walking in guilt, in condemnation. Now, some of us, we expose our chest so the devil throws his arrows and it hits us. Now, I was saying yesterday, for instance, I, I, I use the word against. The armor is for us to stand against the wasp. And I explained that the word against means eyeball to eyeball. It speaks of someone who is so bold, someone who is so daring, that he's full of confidence and he glares into the eyeball of his enemy without blinking the eye because he's confident and he knows his authority and who he is and he instructs his enemy. And I said, why you are you look to the, to the eyeball of Satan and you are instructing him, Satan? Then he said, what are you trying to do? Remember the lie you lied yesterday. What will you do? <laughs> and Satan said, you, you just lied. You are coming to now cast me out. What are you trying to say? Said, what are you trying to say? Now at that time, he just shot an arrow on your heart. If your breastplate is not intact, it's, he injures you. But if it is intact, pah! It doesn't affect you. Because he says, if the devil tells you, oh, look at what you are doing. You say you are evangelizing. Look at what you did yesterday. You come to lead us, you come to lead praise and worship. <laughs> Carry them to the presence of God. Do you think you are what you are doing is right? Do you think what you are doing is right? Then he's shooting arrows. Turn and say, Mr. Devil, I have a good news for you. <laughs> say, Mr. Devil, it is true that I, I did that and that and I was truly wrong. But I have a good news for you. The good news is that Christ is my righteousness. God doesn't accept him based on what I do and what I don't do. He accepts him because of Jesus Christ. Therefore, he is my confidence and assurance forever. Until you know this, eh? <laughs> the devil. Even when you have done something right, he says it's not enough. He condemns you. <laughs> now, do you know the meaning of devil in the in the Greek? Now, the Greek word for the word devil is the word diabolo. <laughs> yeah, that's the Greek word for devil, diabolo. It's from two words, dia and balo. 
Now, dia means through, and balo means to throw something, to hit something. Now, diabolo means that it's like this. It's like there's a thick wall here. But a person keeps throwing like a stone or something here. It's the, the thing seems impenetrable. But a person keeps throwing it, and he has hope. And he keeps throwing it repetitively. He keeps throwing Ah, onto the membrane or the wall is cracked open. That's the meaning of the word devil, diabolo. Someone who slanderously accuses you. So he hits you. What do you think you are? He gives to you. You are condemned. You can't, you can't lead the prison worship. What, what are you trying to do? You are filthy before God. Do you think God will forgive you? <laughs> you know, he speaks to you. He speaks to you. He releases his arrows against you. Day and night. Day and night. Day. That's what he does. The second minute, the, his, uh, his other name is adversary. First yeah. Peter 5 verse 8. 7 and 8. He said, your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion. You know the meaning of adversary in Greek? The word is antidikos. Antidikos. Two words. Anti means against. Anti means ad- against. Dikos. You know, dikos is righteousness. Dikayo. Wow. So literally, adversary is the word against righteousness. <laughs> the word adversary, adversary means against righteousness. He hates righteousness. Much more to say you are the righteousness of Christ. <laughs> he hates it with passion. He's just against that. And you know, his greatest weapon is to accuse you. It's caused to walk in condemnation. 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 No lama shata, lobo lobo shatana. The devil now, Romans ten, Romans ten, Romans ten, verse nine. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scriptures say it, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So we've read three verses right. The scriptures say it, whosoever believeth on him. Believe on what? He said, with the heart man believes unto righteousness. In context, this is believing his righteousness. Now, when we came to Christ, he became our righteousness. But now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed or is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophet. Even the righteousness of God, which is halobosota, by the faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe. It is by the faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe. If you believe in Jesus, He becomes your righteousness. We are not righteous by our obedience; we are righteous by His obedience. We became sinners because of Adam. We are righteous because of Christ. And, and, and you need to understand that. You need to understand that. These are the basics of Christianity. And some of us think that, oh, we understand that a sinner, no matter his good works and his philanthropic works, can never become righteous. But why do you believe that it, when the believer sins,
you get me? Yeah. A sinner, by his good works, is never righteous. But you think that a believer, when he sins, he has lost his righteousness. Oh, it means we have high regard for the first Adam more than the last Adam. It means we think that we think we cannot undo the work of the first Adam, but we can undo the work of the last Adam. Who is stronger? To think that when you sin, you've lost your righteousness, you are, is an insult yeah. to the blood of Jesus. Yeah. You are trying to say that the work of Satan in Adam is greater and stronger than the work of God in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. If you believe that Christ is my righteousness, I'll never be ashamed. You know why? Because in the morning, the devil whispered to you, oh, look. Look at what you've done. You're reading your Bible. You think, you think you've read two chapters. You think you've read two, two, two chapters. You are a pastor. You've read two chapters. Your member read ten chapters today. <laughs> Maybe cry just two, two verses. And when the devil whispers to you, you say, hey, it's true. You accept Satan's doctrine. It's true. Then you are ashamed. Say, if you, but if you believe that Christ is to accept, whoever, if you believe that Christ is your righteousness, say, whosoever believes shall never be ashamed. Now, listen. The devil will accuse you whether you do right or wrong. <laughs> and he doesn't have any grounds to accuse you, even if you do wrong. He doesn't have any grounds. And that's what you have to understand. And some of you think if you do wrong, the devil has to, like, to accuse you. He does have that right. But don't give him a place. <laughs> because he can accuse you for you to walk in condemnation so much that you feel like, ah. But you should understand that your acceptance is not. You are, you are, Christ is your acceptance. You should understand that. Christ is your righteousness. That understanding will deliver you quickly. Because that's the wisdom of God. The devil said you lied. So you can't even come and lead praise and worship. But know that Christ is my righteousness. He's my acceptance. When you do that, I wish there's no time. Hallelujah. Isaiah 53 verse 10. <laughs> Let me show you something here. Isaiah 53 verse 10. Now this is about the death of Jesus. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. No, verse 10. Verse 10. Verse 10. Yeah. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That's why Christ was on the cross. He has made him to grieve. The word grieve means sick, actually. It's the word for sickness. He has made him to be sick because he puts our sicknesses on him. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Now the word an offering for sin. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. On the cross, God made Jesus an offering for sin. Now what does it mean? The word offering for sin actually is the word asham. A-S-H-A-M in the Hebrew. Asham. Asham. He made him his soul Asham. What is Asham? Now in the Hebrew, Asham has two meanings. 
Asham literally is guilt offering. He made his soul the guilt offering. Christ was on the cross as our guilt offering. But Asham is a Greek word for guilt. Listen, Asham is a Greek, Greek word for, sorry, the Hebrew word for guilt. Yet, it is also the Hebrew word for guilt offering. There are two opposite things. Because the guilty needs an offering. But this time, the guilty, the guilt itself is Asham. The offering too is also Asham. How come? It is because in the scriptures, when you send your offering, now this is also in Leviticus, Asham is guilt offering. Sometimes it's called trespass offering. Now when you send your offering to the priest, you are the guilty party. You are guilty. You send your your goat. Your goat is the offering. Alright? So you are the guilty one. This is the offering. You are, you are different. Is that not so? But you lay your hands on the head of the goat and transfer all your guilt to the goat. So now, the offering becomes the guilt. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is called identification. And Christ was the Lamb of God. You know? So, what happens is that Jesus was your offering. And Jesus was the guilt offering. Yet, on the cross, he became the guilt. Asham is the guilt. Is the guilt itself. Oh, guilt. So, the Bible said that he, God on on the cross made Jesus your guilt. Wow. Wow. Listen. So, the offering became the guilt. What it means is that and when he was the guilt, what was hanging on the cross was the your guilt. When Jesus died, and he was dead, and he died, said it is finished, and he died, your guilt died. Your guilt died. Let me tell you the truth of the gospel. So Paul said, likewise, reckon ye yourself to be dead also to sin. Now the word someday, <laughs> Romans 6 verse 14, likewise, reckon yourself also to be dead indeed to sin and alive to God. Now let's go to Romans 6. Reckon ye yourself to be dead to sin. Verse 11, sorry. Reckon ye yourself to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God through the word sin here he's not talking about the power of sin no he's not saying that I'm dead to sin I cannot lie I cannot gossip that's, that's, that's not the truth here he's not talking about the power of sin hallelujah he's talking about the word here is talking about the guilt, the condemnation, the imputation, and the penalty of sin. Wow. <laughs> Two different. The guilt, the imputation, the penalty of sin. He says that when Christ was on the, was on the cross, your guilt died. Now reckon yourself that you are dead to condemnation. You can never be condemned again. <laughs> He's saying that reckon yourself, not that you are dying to condemnation. You are dead. Not that you are dying. To such a point that you can never be condemned again. Because God never condemns. God corrects. He doesn't condemn. Every condemnation is from the devil. Who is he that condemned? He said, who is he? No, it is Christ that died. And the rather who is also seated at the right hand of God. And who make that intercession for you. 
there is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. <laughs> now in Romans 8.1, there is now therefore no condemnation to... The word condemnation has two meanings in Romans 8.1. It has civil connotation and legal connotation in Romans 8.1. Now, it, it, there is now therefore no condemnation to them. This is a civil connotation. The word specific connotation in Romans for condemnation in Romans 8.1 actually implies strengthlessness, someone without strength. That's the meaning of the word condemnation. But the legal connotation signifies ju- to, to condemn judicially. Uh-huh. So, what it means is that you can read it this way, there is not therefore no strengthlessness for those who are in Christ Jesus because the more you are condemned, the more you lose your strength to serve him. The more you are condemned, you, you lose your strength to serve him. So now he says, reckon yourself you are totally dead to condemnation. I cannot be condemned again. Now, you can say it now, but I want to do something wrong. That's why we we'll know whether you are really dead or not. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> you understand? You just lied and said, I'll not be condemned. It's serious. Now, let, let me show you the result. Next, the next verse. Let's not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. Now, this is talking about the power of sin. <laughs> He's saying that if you see yourself dead to condemnation, you have the power to mortify sin, to put it to death. But when you allow condemnation, you're always a victim. But when you are free from condemnation, you're on the highway to holiness. That's what he's talking about. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. 90%, someone made a comment that 90% of the body of Christ is working in condemnation. I remember some years ago, 2007, 1, 8, 1, 8, 1 midnight, 1, 1 a.m. I was there and the Lord spoke to me in a room. The Lord showed me that there are people who have callings, who have divine callings like Apostle Paul, who are discouraged. That's what I saw, 2007. Like Apostle Paul, that kind of callings, they are discouraged and they are down. Some of them, something happened in their life, some, I mean, so many things, and they are just down. But if you are down in the dust, today you are rising. Because the devil has hit you down. You didn't cover your chest with a breastplate. So he condemned you and you are now incapacitated. Do you know what God would have used you for if you had continued? Yeah. It's a trick of the devil. It's, just, oh, it's full of liberty. He has liberated you. And when you know that law of liberty, you continue in him. Uh-huh. Hallelujah. Condemnation pulls you, but when you are free, you can advance in holiness. When you are free from condemnation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Do you know why the, 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 the breastplate was full of scales? Fish scales. In Leviticus 11, the Bible describes clean animals from unclean animals. And he says that one proof that a fish is clean is because of its skills. A fish in the sea. A proof of its cleanness in the sea is because of its skills. Leviticus 11. Why? If you catch a live fish from the sea, the sea is salty, but catch a live fish, the fish is not salted. Yet it is in the salty sea. But as soon as that fish dies, you take it from the fish and from the sea, there is full of salt. It is full of salt. But as long as the fish is alive, it has no salt. Yet it is in a salty environment. 
because of the scales. <laughs> so the scales keep the fish from being salted, even in, in a salty environment. You see, when we are full of skills, we are in the sea of humanity. The sea represents the masses of humanity. So you walk in this life, but because of the skills on your righteousness, <laughs> you are in your office, you are on campus, you are, yet you are not contaminated. Because of righteousness, consciousness, you know who you are, and you walk in Christ consciousness, you are not contaminated. So wherein in time past we walked according to the course of this world. We walked according. Paul said we walked according. The word according is the word kata, which means we're dominated and manipulated by the course of this world. We were manipulated by, by, by the course of this world. The word course, ayon, actually means the spirit of the age. You see, there's a spirit that controls every age. There's a spirit that controls the 70s, the 80s, the 50s, the 20s. Sometimes an age is governed by drugs. An age also is governed by rebellion. An age is governed by rock and roll. Different ages. There's, there's something in our age that is popular, that is ruling the masses. That because of our skills, we are never affected. <laughs> we are in a salty environment. The whole atm- atmosphere is polluted. Yet, Olama Shota. That's the skills. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Skills. The Bible says in Isaiah 32, verse 17, that the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness shall be quietness and confidence or assurance forever. Righteousness gives you confidence and assurance. You see, you stand, the devil cannot condemn you any longer. You look at his eyeball to eyeball to his face, uh, dismiss. Whatever he accuses you, say, Christ is my righteous, dismiss. You have no grounds whatsoever. You have been displaced. Who made you a judge over me? Who are you? <laughs> Peter denied Christ. But he understood righteousness. A few days later, he was preaching boldly. And Peter standing up with 11, who opened his mouth, he began to preach. But a few days ago, he denied Jesus. Then when they go to the gate called Beautiful, now righteousness gives you confidence, not only over the devil, over sickness, over diseases, over crisis. You are bold in life. You are confident in life because Christ is your righteousness. Christ. When they met the man at the beautiful gate, Peter could have said, hey, hey, I've not read enough scriptures. How can I raise you up? Yay. Today, I've already taken tea and much bread and margarine. How can I raise you up? <laughs> but this can't go and not forth, but by prayer fasting. <laughs> sometimes you meet a challenge and you are considering what you have done and what you have not done. It's a lie. You are looking to yourself instead of your faith being in Jesus. <laughs> Peter said, silver and gold have I none. By such as, like in the Greek, the word, is, the word is not such. It's not the word for such. It's the word for who. By, but who I have, give I unto you. <laughs> who I have, I have Jesus. I have Jesus to give unto you. Who I have, give I unto you. In the name of Jesus, I'm here to present Jesus unto you. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what Peter was saying. He raised him up and gave him Jesus. Glory to God. The righteousness gives you confidence in life. When the devil knows that... Listen, you can be living very holy and very right, 
But if you don't, if you don't put on the breastplate of righteousness, the devil will not knock you down very soon. Because yeah. he, he will even accuse you of your rights that it's not enough. Yeah. And if you miss it one day, then you are dead forever. Yeah. <laughs> now, there is a way, right? Righteousness is a defensive weapon. See? Of course, so it's breastplate present, prevents the devil from getting to your heart. But you see, there is a way it also becomes an offensive weapon. You see, the Roman army had a strategy. When they were fighting, they normally want to fight in the afternoons for one reason. When you see them coming from afar and the sun rays hits their, their breastplate, you see, the dazzling spectacle it causes, the effect of light that radiates from the breastplate of brass, the shiny brass, was so strong that it cast a blinding, a blinding glare in the eyes of the opponent. So that they are about to fight, but the effect of light is too much. So they cannot see right to fight. It was a strategy. So the light that is radiating and reflecting was so strong to their eye. So they start going back because they can be drawn into confusion. So it was a strategy to keep them confused and they just fall on them. Papa. Hallelujah. That is what happens if you keep intact righteousness, consciousness, and work that Christ is your righteousness. It blinds the enemy. It blinds demons. It throws them in disarray. You are coming in, they wonder the brightness, the glory, the beauty, the lustre, the radiance just disarrays them and throws them into confusion. Hallelujah. That's the brightness. When you walk in righteousness, it becomes so beautiful. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Beloved, your guilt is slain. This is Jesus. Walk in confidence. To the glory of God. Hallelujah. Shoes of peace. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.